2: hi folks welcome to another episode of film study this is ken mccusick and we have the happy task of discussing the defense from that 49ers game on monday night here to do it with me is brandon croxton brandon how you doing
3: hey ken it's a very 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 merry christmas so i love the love the uh the holiday and had a uh great into it with a big win from the ravens so it was great
2: there you go and a, a, a uh Seven years ago, they lost a huge Christmas night game in Pittsburgh that was uh, difficult to swallow on what the the Steelers fans refer to as the immaculate extension that effectively eliminated the Ravens in that 2016 season. It might have actually eliminated them, but definitely eliminated them from winning the division. Uh, but this was a complete difference. Not, I did not go in expecting a win. I thought this was a chance that the Ravens could really get outplayed. Nope.
3: <laughs> so uh, not at all yeah. so that,
2: that worked out pretty well um you know one of the things coming into this game that seemed to be a big story was how the national media were treating the ravens and ryan mink had a retweet of something and the ravens obviously were jawing a little bit before the game about being um uh disrespected by mm-hmm. the media and they were jawing even more after by being disrespected which is by the way that's the correct time to do it Talk about it after, not before. You got a chance to be wrong, man. <laughs> you don't want to you yeah. don't want to take that chance. But if Florio came out and he said, you know, let's face it, the 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 Ravens are gonna go in and, and they're gonna get their asses kicked by the 49ers, and any team would get their asses kicked by the 49ers right now. And just the opposite. Do, how do you take that in terms of a motivational angle for these players?
3: I mean, I think you take it as exactly how they took it. Is you know, they they obviously think that they're really good, and they have proven all year that they're a really good team, both offensively and defensively. And you know, to go into the game, you know, it was like five and a half or six point underdogs, and a lot of people like Florio saying they're gonna you know lose by two, two touchdowns. I think it's you know, it was right that they took it as disrespect because this mm-hmm. is a really good team. So yeah. yeah. They, and they did the most important thing, which was prove it out on the field.
2: Yeah, there you go, and not just talk about it in advance. Uh a real game of flipping narratives in this game. And and obviously one of the things coming into the team the the, the, the 49ers had taken everybody's mantle in the best team is football, and that's all gonna change this week. The power rankings gonna come out. I mm-hmm. cannot imagine any power ranking having anybody but the Ravens as the number one team in football, if somebody has Buffalo because of their win over Dallas and the fact that, Hey, they've got a pretty good record too. I I don't, I just don't see it. (laughs) I don't see how you get there, but but I expect it to be
3: pretty much number one across the board. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I think they've earned it. Like San Francisco has been, you know, absolutely an elite team this year and Mm -hmm. to go into their place, um, on a monday night game and beat them soundly beat them by two touchdowns It you're, you're showing that you're you deserve to be the number one team so i would be shocked if anybody doesn't have them but i i honestly i hope somebody does so that they can feel a little bit more disrespected going into this sunday game
2: yeah you're right it's it's, it's difficult they have to defend the mountain Otherwise, it's a, you know, a much more difficult thing to do. Uh, one of the really interesting thing this year that I've been following is the Davoa measures for the entire season. And the Ravens are among the best ever through 15 games in the history of Davoa They're, the, in fact, the fourth best ever. The 49ers, after this loss, they actually leapfrogged the 49ers and moved into that uh, number four spot. The only three teams ahead of them are the 2007... Um, Patriots, who were 15-0. and 0. The 1991 Redskins, who were 14-1. and 1. We can call them Redskins because that's what they were back then, so mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. And, and then and the, and the 1985 Bears, who were 14-1. and 1. Um, And obviously, you know, the Bears' defense is known as being great, and that offense was pretty good, too, certainly at, at that time. Uh, but the Ravens are number four on that list in terms of the um, fourth greatest DeVoe rating ever through 14 games, and that, that covers 42 years of football.
3: Yeah, that's that's really impressive, especially considering, I mean, it's so hard to measure, you know, different eras, the different play styles and everything like that. But to be considered amongst all of those teams that, you know, all, you know, well, the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl, but they went to the Super Bowl. The other two teams won it and won them in kind of dominating fashion, you know, definitely considered some of the greatest teams of all time. Like it's 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 an honor it should be an honor to be considered amongst them yeah
2: it should be and when you look at this team's history the greatest previous ravens team through 15 games is the 2019 team which is not a big surprise i don't think to anybody that it wouldn't be 2000 yeah. or 2006 or one of the others those, those teams were great but the but the 2019 team is 11th on this list and to be that you know that many spots ahead even of that incredible 2019 team is pretty pretty impressive in its own right right yeah absolutely
3: Absolutely.
2: Other thing that really changed this week is the MVP race. Horrific change to that. Uh, we went in and, and I have some before and after odds on players here. And I, I can't promise these are up to the moment. And I've taken them from various sources that I had for the befores in particular, but um, Brock Purdy before was a three to five favorite to win. Now I know, most people in our gambling culture today understand what three to five wins, but that's expressed in terms of losses to wins expected. That's the best way to think of it. So he'll lose it three times for every five times he wins it, meaning he'll win it five out of eight times if that bet is an even wager. Now, it's not. There's a little bit of juice packed in, so he probably wouldn't win it quite five out of eight times for people who'd want to wager this. But still, 60% maybe chance to 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 win the MVP would be a reasonable thing. The ne- the new odds on Brock Purdy after his four interception games against the Ravens, thirteen to one is the best price I could find.
3: Yeah, I, yeah. I saw something like that. I saw sixteen to one in other places. So, oh yeah, wow, it's it's a huge drop. I mean, when when you when you fall like that on national TV with everybody watching, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to recover from that. You know? Yep.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that uh, that may be a race to the bottom. You're seeing if you saw sixteen to one, you might have seen it later than I did because I was much earlier today when I was looking at it. So it's it's definitely a possibility. You saw it, um, and and there's you know people have better information about how the money's being placed, and they they're you know they're they're following that. But that's you know Lamar Jackson before the game was a five to one underdog to win the MVP, not not just on the borderline of contention. And he is now a basically a three to five favorite to win it. He's actually like a five to eight favorite, but uh, very similar. And and uh, uh, now is the overwhelming favorite to to win the MVP award as of right this moment. Um, and then the other one is Christian McCafferty. And I, I know there was talk that he might have you know having a big game with Lamar managing the game certainly very well, moving the team fairly effectively. I thought still making some good extended plays in this game. Uh, and making a very big run when it counted for the, for the Ravens, um, I thought that the the, co- the combination of things I thought, you know, probably should say Lamar's had a really good game in San Francisco to go in there and and do what he did. Certainly took care of the football, um, but but beyond that, I think that some people thought McCafferty had a really positive game relative to Lamar, and Lamar had a you know maybe two pluses, and, and Lamar had a one plus game, and Ferdy
3: had a three minus game. Right. Yeah. Hard for hard for a running back to win anyway, but yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think Lamar has clearly established himself as the MVP favorite, and I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed because I got Lamar as the MVP twenty to one back in the beginning. The really? Season. So, oh yeah, my god! I think, Congratulations! I hope you got a pretty <laughs> yes. pretty good note down on that. Yeah, yeah, I, it wasn't one a big n- number, but yeah, like okay. Um, yeah keeping my fingers crossed We're i'm, hoping, I'm hoping going is, out to a very nice dinner it's
2: at least yeah. into three digits or is it only is it less yeah. than that
3: you, yes. mean, not yeah. the win the the bet the bet it's less than that but a little okay. bit less uh, yeah.
2: all right yeah. so it's a good dinner
3: yeah 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 <laughs> could be a really good
2: dinner depending on on how much of that, oh, well, yeah, that it is. Yeah. but anyway very good uh glad to hear that um uh where do, you, where do you want to take Maureen and me for dinner for that? When it could, I'm just kidding. We're, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll look forward to that. Um, anyway, uh, the MVP race being what it is, the four-year remarks we talked about. And here's something about the Ravens' defense that was really remarkable last night. They continuously had their hands on the football. Kind of looked like Super Bowl 35. There were 11 passes defensed in the game by the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Two were missed in the game book, including the ball that hit Darby in the face. I don't know how you missed that as a PD, but, mm, mm-hmm. but, um, but they did. Um, and they and they kind of credited one to Stevens where I, I didn't think he made any kind of – I think the ball was already past the receiver. When he hit the receiver, he never touched the ball. So sometimes it, it, it could go either way on those PDs, and sometimes they'll pick it up in the corrections, and sometimes they won't. But uh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: they had five interceptions, of course, vaulted into the league lead in both categories.
3: Yeah, Yeah, and it's been – You know it's been a great pass defense all year and um you know they keep proving it week in and week out with these top quarterbacks i mean trevor lawrence you know had a had a pretty poor game against us um you know matt stafford was had a little bit of success but Mm -hmm. um, i mean brad Brad purdy and i mean that's the best collection of uh offensive weapons in the league by far and um you know they're they weren't getting a lot of separation, especially later in the game. The, you know, their specialty is run after the catch. Um, I think the Ravens tackled very well and um, yeah, they, they made just, you know, a, a lot of great plays. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk to talk about them in more. I mean, but uh, Brandon Stevens on that um, on that wide receiver screen, getting his hands up and mm-hmm. Marlon Humphrey picking it off. And something you you just hardly ever see. It was a double corner. double place. corner
2: blitz, man. Double cat. You really <laughs> you yeah. really love to see those two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The
2: Ravens have done it about I want to say about four times this year. They've run that, yeah. and so it just happens to be they they run it, and the pass is going right out to the to the you know vacated receiver, which is exactly where it should go. You know when when Stevens comes hot like that. When Stevens comes on the blitz like that, the, the hot read is actually going to be his receiver. And there wasn't a safety that immediately jumped down in there. Sometimes Stone has done that to protect that outside receiver. The other When, they, when the Ravens used to do this a lot in 2006, it was DeJuan Landry in his rookie year who just jumped right down on the receiver and, and take him the, and allow those uh, corners to get in. But that, that, was, a, that was a really impressive play. Stevens elevated, got the tip, mm-hmm. and then Humphrey is right in position for that rebound.
3: Right. Yeah. That was awesome play. Awesome play. Yep. Yeah. Um
2: the one of the things the Ravens had was just an absurd pressure rate in this game. And we're gonna get to this a little bit later, but it's by such a wide margin, the highest pressure rate of the season that it it it, it needs mention in the kind of the opening stuff we're talking about here. Sixty-six percent. So they threw the ball 50 times, 46 passes and four sacks and 33 of those were under pressure. Now, there are a lot of reasons why there was a high pressure rate in this game. The Ravens were doing a good job. The 49ers had three injuries on the offensive line, and they kept having to shuffle it. Uh, you've played some offensive line in your life. Do anything to your continuity?
3: Yeah. If, if you don't know that person next to you, you don't know which way they're stepping or which way they're looking and yeah, it, I mean, offensive line is all about co- communication and knowing what that person next to you is doing. And if you don't practice enough, that, that becomes a, a real mess. And we saw it. Yeah.
2: And, and uh, you know, a lot of that can occur on stunts and on blitzes and delayed elements that are used to fool the offensive line. I'm not seeing there wasn't any of that. There was some, but most of the second half, it was just a bunch of 4-0, which means to me, four guys at the line of scrimmage lining up, those four guys are rushing and they're not stunting. They're, they didn't do anything special. that There was some, but it was very limited. They had 23 pressures in that second half, 23 in one half of football. Only three of those were with a five or six-man rush. So they got 24-man straight-up rushes. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's just an absurd number uh to get in a half but it's an absurd number for a game, but it's a it's a uh it's a really ridiculous number and a half.
3: And uh, you know, a, a good number of those came from Clowney beating Trent Williams. I mean Trent's yeah. you know, pretty much widely known as the best left tackle in the league. And Clowney was owning them before he even got hurt. It was yeah. like yeah, it was it's, it was yeah, impressive. Yeah,
2: that's a great point. I mean, Connie owned everybody in this game, but but three pressures as I scored it, I think against Williams before he left, and you know Williams then left with that groin injury. He's kind of lucky he got out in there, and then the backup. McKivitz was just steamrolled it was, by
3: yeah, it was, uh, it was a variety like, of players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. That, that's when you're you're, you're tagging, you're, you're playing tag team with your with your teammates. Like, no, I want a shot at him now. No, yes, no, no. yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I, they were trying real hard to get Matabike his sack, and it's kind of imp- mm-hmm. incredible in a game like this that it doesn't happen because. Mm-hmm. They were in there all night. Matabike is a vacuum cleaner about uh, about um, cleaning up after the initial pressure. That's really been right. his trick this year, um, and and it just could not get it it's done. Good. It yeah. Yeah, looked like he was pretty little tired by the end of that game.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know. He, I know he was trying hard, and I know they were trying hard for him. It was, yeah. It was, it was the one bad thing about the day is they weren't able to extend that streak to to the record. But yeah, I mean, it's still he. Being an interior guy and, and tying the record, that's that's impressive in itself. So yep. you should be very proud. Yeah,
2: yep. it, is, uh, it is indeed remarkable. One of the things that we need to talk about this a little bit, maybe when we get to the pass rush, is that the 49ers really did not attempt to alter their game plan on the fly to get the ball out quickly. Now, the 49ers, I think of Brock Purdy as being a guy who likes to complete passes behind the line of scrimmage, and he's got a ton of them this year, and then gets lots of yak on those plays. And, and a high yak total per catch is largely will tell you that a lot of those passes are going behind the line of scrimmage because it's running backs who pick up a lot of yak per play because they can often catch the ball at minus three or minus four, minus five even, and then you know get 10 yards from there for a five-yard reception. That is good, but it's giving you 10 yards after the catch. I'll get a little bit of feedback from you, Brandon, in here. I wonder if we can do anything about that. Maybe turn on echo cancellation if you can, or if your noise is coming back through this. But anyway, a little technical issue. We'll work through it. Um, in any case, we, we uh, uh, because of that, you'll occasionally see a running back, not that often, who has more yardage on a season in receiving than he has, uh, sorry, more yak than receiving yards in a season. Ray Rice did it one year. So for example, so, so it does happen. And, uh, and I thought that was, uh, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about this game is despite the fact that the, that the 49ers have this in the tool toolbox, they didn't really go to it. They didn't really go to tons of, you know, slants to Ayuk were, 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 um, Ayuk were, were pretty deadly in this game, but they didn't keep going to those. They didn't go to McCafferty consistently on little swing passes, which, even if you don't really have a screen set up, are still going to pose problems, I think, for defenses a lot of the time, uh, especially after Hamilton was out.
3: Uh, right. A mm-hmm. little bit surprising. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, part of it, like the Ravens, I think Hamilton is, was probably the key to, to a lot of that, is being that big guy over the middle um, and being able to cover running backs so well, being able to cover tight ends so well and being, and, you know, Roquan being over the middle and him and Queen were just flying and hitting everything over the middle. I think they they, they went into protection mode a little bit and just tried not to uh, attack the middle of the field so much and, you know, keep keep their guys healthy.
2: Maybe, maybe. I mean, they certainly did that with Purdy, right? We saw that on the sideline in terms of, yeah. I, I you know, I, I found I found that whole sequence kind of humorous. I think it's a Q four six sixteen. Purdy comes out of the tent and he goes back to the bench and sits down next to Darnold, and you can you can tell what the conversation is. You know, oh, are you going back in now? I don't know. I'm going back in, and and Brian Greasy was sitting next to the two of them, and he goes, "Go ask Kyle." Well, first of all, why doesn't Brian Greasy know now? At that point, you know, and I guess he didn't just come out of the tent. But anyway, uh, Greasy basically taps Purdy and says, you know, go ask Kyle. And then he goes over and he says, Kyle. You can hear him say, actually, Kyle. (laughs) Shanahan pulls up his play sheet over his mouth so you can't read it. lip read. They have about a six-second exchange, about three uh ahas and okays from Purdy during that moment. Mm -hmm. But you could tell from his kind of degree of resignation that he wasn't going back into the game Mm -hmm. at that point. But I thought that was him having the play sheet and talking to Purdy, should be a meme that Ravens fans are tossing out this. It should be a caption this. So if you're out there and don't mind creating this, take that, take that screenshot down, put it out there and and put it out on Twitter as a caption this. I think you'll get some funny responses from it.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh
2: Hamilton's injury. Obviously one of the really Paul anytime Hamilton you know there's anything potentially wrong with him you know how important he is to this defense obviously Mm -hmm. it's just it's just the thing that just hangs over like a dark cloud over this game uh what okay did you get any impression about his health from stuff that was on the plane or the fact he's on the bench
3: um it it did give me a little sigh of relief when he was on the bench um smiling at the end of the game Mm -hmm. um uh, because if a player is has a serious injury, you kind of generally see it all over their face that they know that they're gonna be out an extended period of time or or the season or something like that. Yeah. Um so him him, you know, kind of basking in the joy of the the big win and having that smile, that that gave me a, a little cause for relief. And yeah, after after the game on the plane home with uh with Marlon Humphrey, that that caption right there, I was like, Oh good. He will he'll, he'll he'll be back soon. <laughs> so. yeah,
2: you can't be talking about that kind of stupid crap if you're, if you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Marlon, wow. All I can say is it gets away with a lot of non-politically correction stuff <laughs> on that. And I'm look, yeah. I'm all for it. But some mm-hmm. of the things about you guys got a good kicker, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, all sure right. Know. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's- yeah, it it was funny because I think this kind of, this came up like I think uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember the player who started it, but um another ESPN um podcaster was talking about like the all Asian team and they like drafted it and, and it actually w- was a pretty good one. Um, you know, like they had Tua as the quarterback and it it they it it's more it, like Kyle said yeah, there's only two. It's, there's actually more than two, but yeah, yeah. it's. Yeah. It's it it, it was I I guess it's just sweeping the uh the NFL world right now. <laughs>
2: right. I, I I would they get the Samoans, would the would the Samoans be in the yeah. in that group? Oh that, yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. gonna be a pretty good group of defensive linemen there. So yeah. and offensive mm-hmm. linemen for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh all right. All right, so fun stuff. Um a- anyway, uh, it was good to see. I thought the other thing that I thought might be true is Hamilton it's possible after the game might've been on some painkillers if there were real problems with that. And I don't think he'd be going through that thing with Humphrey on the airplane if that were the case. Mm -hmm. So I, I, your experience with this is probably much more than mine, but I I do know athletes sometimes get painkillers. Maybe they've really reduced Mm -hmm. that with the opioid scares from recent years.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. Um, I did like, of course you know back uh, we didn't have social media so we're not you know constantly in in the public eye and putting ourselves in the public eye so any conversations would be you know private in itself but um Mm -hmm. yeah like you you wouldn't put somebody out in public if they're on painkillers and they can kind of be saying anything yeah just because they're on it and people get a little loopy yeah yeah
2: so, and, and you might even get a talking to from the Ravens PR guys and say, Hey, look, he's, he's leaving alone. Or maybe there's even a, a place where they put those guys on the plane. That's mm-hmm. not their normal seat. So, right. Uh, All right. Interesting stuff. Um, you know, Hamilton's uh, started the game at slot corner. The Ravens were playing mostly big nickel to, to play the game. And then again, it seems like this happens every week where they have him set up as big nickel Something goes wrong. Somebody gets hurt. Either somebody on the back end or him, mm-hmm. and he has to change positions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So they adapted on the fly this time. Humphrey goes to slot corner. Darby to the outside, and that's pretty much the way they they ro- rolled with the standard nickel the rest of the game. They played a little base, not too much, and um, Hamilton was on the back end for the rest of the game, and obviously made some plays there too. It's not like he was he was out of time to make plays, but he was a lot more impactful. Uh, when he was in that slot corner role, right? Exactly.
3: Yeah, it was. It was. It was good to see um, Humphrey Humphrey in its slot and moving Darby out to the outside. I think, it, you know, it, when it comes out of necessity, I think that's probably your best uh, three corners, mm-hmm. you know, coverage wise. Um, obviously, Hamilton gives you just a ton of more versatility being that slot guy and mm-hmm. able to cover. But um, it, and I think. It, it, it might have just been part strategy also because the 49ers have so many good wide receivers that you want to maybe get your best cover guys out on all out on the field and you know kind of have camelton step back you know here and there on plays too
2: they they um the thing that would tell me that's not the case is they didn't really do it because they, they, until Hamilton got hurt, there was only one play with Darby as I think that's true as the. Let me confirm here for a second. Yeah. But I think there was only one play with Darby as the corner in a standard nickel before. No, Darby was out there. Okay, no, he was out there for two plays. The first one went for fifty-eight yards. By the way, that he was out there,
3: yeah.
2: and then and then so that really that really didn't work. Then he was out for a penalty. Okay. And then he was—he came in in the third quarter, and that was on a dime snap. And then he played two more dime snaps. So then this 32 dime. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then it wasn't until Hamilton got hurt. So he played five total snaps, three dimes, one penalty, and one standard nickel that went for 58 yards before Hamilton got not locked out for the game. And then they then they had Darby in for the rest of the game pretty much at that point. Um, so it wasn't it, – it, 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 to, to me, it wasn't really by choice and i had, somebody else had something really interesting to say on Twitter. They said um, I mentioned the thirty two dime on Twitter and they quote tweeted me and said that that um uh, we noticed this in battle plans and you know so and so and i were 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 discussing the fact that um, um that the ravens can mimic the dime with their um, nickel because queen is such a versatile run and cover um, inside linebacker because he has such speed. And my feeling about that is if they go to a 32 dime during the game, I think that negates that argument. You're basically saying you didn't really think you had enough defensive back capability, enough coverage capability on the field such that you went to a, you went to a, a, a six guy, you know, you weren't willing to sacrifice a linebacker for it, but you sacrificed a defensive lineman for it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: tough tough uh um uh, uh call there but anyway um th- the other thing was a little bit scary in the, going into this game was that the ravens had three slot corners inactive
3: as the game began let me make sure i have right. the correct three so they had yeah, it was was um pepe and uh i think of the third J-D. J.A.D., yeah, yeah. 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 so <laughs> so
2: you know, a little honestly a little strange that um uh Pepe was inactive. I mean they spent so much time IR DTRing him and they haven't still been able to get him on the field defensively. <laughs> so right. I think I guess he has been active already once or has he been inactive for both games since he's been
3: I don't react- think he's been yeah, I don't think he's been active or Okay. Yeah. I don't don't quote me on that, but I don't think he's been active. Yeah.
2: Right. So they really, they had, they had two guys they activated just for special teams this week, which is a little unusual. So they, didn't, they didn't have any use for these guys on offense or defense, but that was uh, Treadwell and Moon who were up for that. But they didn't, they didn't use any of their activations otherwise. And so obviously, you know, that means Treadwell and Moon are ahead of JAD in terms of special teams value at this point. I don't think that's a good thing. I really yeah. don't think that's a good thing because you know it, it, he should be they should be thinking JAD provides us some security as the last corner if we need him and they've even played him a little bit ahead of Yassin this year but right. I, but if he can't beat out those guys on special teams who might be pretty good special teams players i think that that's, a, that's not a good place for JAD to be
3: right now right exactly yeah um yeah over the you know, next year, this is a big year for him. It's gonna be his third year. He he needs to find a way to, you know, be a contributor for this team, whether it's on special teams and 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 um on, on defense as well. So yeah, him not at least getting on special teams is not a not a good sign for him.
2: Yeah, for the for the Ravens, you really need to eat I mean, honestly the guys they really want are the guys who can contribute on defense and on special teams, both you know that's mm-hmm. anthony Levine, malik harrison it's it's gino stone you know it's it's those guys who have been exceptionally good but the but the if they if he was only a superstar special teams player at this point do you think that would be better or worse than what we should be able to expect from the rest of jad's ravens career
3: I, I, at this point if he were a super special teams player and that be it. I think you probably call that a win. Mm-hmm. Um, if like, obviously, you know, he's, he's had his struggles and being, you know, that fourth or fifth outside corner is probably the, you know, probably that's probably the, the most you could hope for him going mm-hmm. forward. Um, so if he can turn that into being a great special teams player, he can he can last in the league seven, eight more years just being a great special teams player. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and and there's a value to that. And obviously, Harbaugh would see a value to that. So it's yeah, it would be important for him to get out there. Yeah,
2: It is some nice financial security to have that eight years is a hell of a lot better than four in the NFL, regardless of what you're playing for that second time around. Mm-hmm. It's 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 four million dollars. Even if you're if if you're at the very lowest level of of second contract vet minimum roster fungibility kind of player exactly. on the on the yeah. edge, but uh, but if but if you if you make any money at it, I mean you could you get even a two year deal for four million kind of thing. you it's 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 so much better and I, I, you know hopefully these guys are getting good advice on uh, in terms of what's really important. But the most important advice may be whether or not they can understand in themselves where their place is in the National Football League to maximize their value, because it may be as a special teams player as opposed to, damn it, I don't want to be part of this team anymore because they don't value me. I want a chance to play somewhere else, and then you play one year and you're cut and you're you're done. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. What else we got here? the Ravens' historic yards per play average.
4: uh, You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.
2: the pass has dropped off a little bit this game the 49ers had a pretty decent amount of yards per play on their passes uh they had some big plays thrown in there but this was a good game i thought of indicating just how valuable variance is to defense so you can afford to give up a 58 yard play and you know a 30 whatever yard play and, and you can afford to give up some big plays if you have five interceptions <laughs> so <Yeah.
3: laughs>
2: um, and yeah. four sacks so yeah um, uh,
3: and Yeah. And I think bigger picture, just the way the Ravens have played defense, they play such a sound uh, foundational type of defense. They're very disciplined. Um, And I like personally, I think this is probably the best team defense that they play since the 2000 team. As far as they the sum, the sum of the sum of their parts are greater. I said that wrong, but yeah. The, the sum the sum of their parts are greater than the individual and okay you, like the, the, there's a decent amount of talent on the defense but to to have you know arguably the greatest pass defense in the in this team's history you you wouldn't have expected that at the beginning of the year by any stretch like yeah. especially when you have Marlon Heard and you know the questions about the pass rush and everything so uh, I mean they but they They've compensated that by being a just extremely disciplined in pass rushing. Like they really lock the quarterback in a cage. They, with the way they rush, is they 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 don't they don't lose uh, lane integrity. They don't allow the quarterback to escape. And then they just like close in on that cage and just you know keep pushing. And the the quarterback can't move. He can't escape. And you know, and he just runs out of time and on the back end, they're playing just great team defense, great zone concepts. And it's it, it the team, we, you know, watching them, you see just a great team and it's forcing defenses to I mean, offenses to just, you know, play perfect football like you any false start penalty, any holding penalty any loss of yardage on a play, anything like that puts them behind the sticks and that plays right to their advantage. And that's, that's just how, you know, it, it, it's really great to see just a, such a disciplined defense out there.
2: Yeah, it is great to see. I think one of the philosophical things that they've done obviously is because they play so much zone right now uh, and they have so many eyes on the football. You, you basically, every one of those defensive players is watching the same movie So they rally to the football in a way that often gets two men there. And that creates lots of second man to the ball opportunities. So you get tip ball opportunities, which we saw in this game, big time. Mm -hmm. But you also get fumble opportunities sometimes where you have the luxury of having the second man try to pry that football loose while the first man's kind of holding him up. Um, And it's just it's 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 a great thing. Zone. um, There's a lot of reasons to love zone defense for 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 what it is. But for what it can do for your pass rush, in particular, I think the Ravens are are one of the um, you know prototypical examples of that.
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Uh, let's see what else we need to talk about here. I, I'm still officially not concerned about the Ravens' run defense. I know that's something Harbaugh came right out to Lisa Salters, whoever she was ta- he was talking to after the half. I don't remember yeah. which which sideline reporter it was, and said that we need to tighten up our run defense, both inside and outside. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't wrong that they'd given up some big run plays, but I still say it's a feature, not a bug of how this defense is operated.
3: Sure. Yeah. Like, um, you, you don't want to be giving up big plays. Um, you know, they were having some success running the ball. And, um, I think they, they really, in that second half, those first two or three drives by San Francisco, they really shut it down and that really enabled, um, them to build that lead and and basically force San, San Fran into just passing, you know, for 80 percent of the time for the last quarter and a half. But, um, yeah, like it you, you can see it like they struggle against the runs, but at times, but they can also go drive to drive and kind of shut down the run when they really need to. Um, they did it this game. They did it. Um, and the, uh, and the, in the Rams game as well. In the second half, they had a couple of big stops, uh, you know, when they were trying to run the ball. And so I, I agree, like you were saying, it, it's an issue, but it's not an Achilles heel. I would say.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's built in In this game, I thought one of the really big run stops was getting McCafferty stopped on probably was second one from the one yard line because, it basically just ran the clock down to two minutes. So basically took one of their one of their four timeouts, four timeouts away, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then exactly. and then they they got sacked on the next play. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't the next play? It was the one after that. it was, that. I think next it was the next
3: play. Yep, it was yeah. the next play. Yep.
2: So uh r- really impressive stuff there. Great series of plays there. That first play was that great play by Harrison who followed the naked boot there. That looked like a it, like it could have been a fairly easy touchdown run. For Dalton there, but even if it wasn't a touchdown run, it was going to be ample time and space for Dalton to find somebody to to throw the ball to on a line as opposed to lofting it up in some sort of low percentage fade route. And I, the fact that Harrison stayed right with him, that's not a mobile quarterback. So usually the, the backside edge defender loses that guy because they're not as concerned as he would be if it were Lamar Jackson. Or pretty much anybody else. Pretty much many of the NFL quarterbacks today, Mahomes or or uh, uh, Hertz or uh, Watson or whoever it might be, even the you know the the kind of average to above average runners that that exist in the National Football League, they're all scary in terms of what they can do with the naked boot. And you know this is a case where Harrison just made one of his be- really best plays of the season, in my opinion, to stick with it, force the pressure, not overcommit to that pressure, but he kind of slowly boiled the frog there forcing him to eventually throw that ball away
3: right yeah exactly harrison had a quiet good game uh i thought the other day like um he he set the edge pretty well on on some of those run plays uh playing outside linebacker and um he, he he was also one of those guys that was being really physical and hitting uh tight ends and fullbacks that were coming at him and you know, he, he really brought the fight to them on run plays. And I think that that was, that was a tone setter for, for what happened yesterday. Yeah.
2: yeah he's been uh he's definitely been a valuable player. And he's been a big snap eater on some of those early downs and, uh, who really plays base defense effectively He's always in the, in there in the base package, uh, that the Ravens put out there. And not always, but I think he was in for 11 of the 13 base looks they had in this game. So, um, He's he's a regular regular feature along with uh, Tavius Robinson. Tavius Robinson, by the way, didn't get a lot of playing time in this game, but uh, uh, he was in there for five straight snaps uh, that we'll get to a little bit later when we talk packages. Uh, let's go a little more. They lost the snap count 68 to 63. I normally – I don't like teams ever – my team ever losing the snap count. And the Ravens were in a great position to win it after running out the first half because that's when you give them a lot of plays. At the end of a half. Your defense is willing to play soft and give up yardage and plays on shorter in shorter chunks. Um, And then they have the potential to get tired. But in this case, they gave it up at the end of the game. And uh, the big culprit, frankly, was the three and out the Ravens uh, offense gave them between the two very long drives they had in the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I agree. Yeah. You obviously, you, you don't necessarily want to be out snapped a lot of times, but when you, when you build that three touchdown lead, you, you, and a lot of times you're, you're trading snap number of snaps because you're, 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 you're playing, you're playing back, you're playing softer and taking the underneath plays. So it takes them five, you know, they have to go five, six, seven yards a time and, you know, eat up four or five minutes to, to get a touchdown. And that's, that's, you know, exactly what they're doing. And, you know, and also, you also want to think about, like, sometimes not all snaps are the same. So for a defense, if if a team is running the ball and is being physical and attacking you like that, those plays wear on a defense a lot more than a pass play where the defensive line gets to attack and gets to beat up the offensive line. And so plays like that, you know, are, are not as necessarily costly as.
2: Okay, now I know you have played on both sides of the trenches. Okay, so what I've always heard is is that the, it's rushing the passer is the most tiring thing a human can do. Now, you're getting that from Merlin Olsen, who was a pass rusher. So you know, he's, he's going to tell you that that, that it is. I, I I think most left tackles would say they can keep trying to go snap after snap and they're not really getting tired the same way the – um the guy who has to instigate and initiate every time and try and get off and be faster than you and have a plan and beat you has to do. It's kind of like tie goes to the tackle mm-hmm. um in, in a sense. But the I, 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 I've I've thought that consecutive snaps played by pass rushers in particular, they are something teams try and avoid. They try and you know rest their pass rushers, bring them out of the game. So you know there's got to be something to it because you never rest your left yeah. tackle and bring them out of the game during a series, for instance.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, there's also just when you're you're meeting in the hole and you're just butting heads heads like two battering rams that 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 can wear a defense as well out as well. What's
2: what's your telltale sign for the defense's tired?
3: Um you, you, it's body language. You, Mm -hmm. you can really see their, their hands on their hips, hands on uh, hips. I thought you were going (laughs) there (laughs) first. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's the big one. And you, you see shoulders slumped a little bit, hands on hips and you're like, oh yeah, they're, 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 they're in trouble.
2: Is there anything about, is there any manifestation of breathing heavily, which is indicated by how somebody is holding their comporting themselves or holding their body language?
3: Um, yeah, the breathing heavily heavy can, it can vary because yeah, there, there is a certain amount of wearing, wearing out on pass rushing, but yeah, w- there's also that, you know, when you, when you're just physically wearing down a team, you, it, the breathing heavy starts anyway. So, yeah.
2: okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Let's uh, jump into packages for a second. Cause there's just a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, unlike a lot of games of the season, McDonald had some specialty packages that he brought out against the 49ers. And they they spent most of their time in the game in the nickel. They had four different types of nickel they used. The big nickel was pretty much most of what they used before Hamilton was hurt. They did have, as as we mentioned, two snaps where Darby was in um in the in the big nickel, sorry, in the standard nickel before Hamilton was hurt. One of those was a penalty, one of them went for 58 yards. They they were really going with the big nickel before Hamilton was hurt. Then they had 15 standard nickels that were basically all at the end, with the exception of the one Derby that that came early. Then they had five rush nickels, and this was interesting. Rush nickel, as I'm defining it here, um, is outside linebacker kicked inside. So you have three outside linebackers on the field with one down lineman, and you you, you have obviously, maybe not obviously, but you you have um, two inside linebackers for six, and then five defensive backs for 11. So those rush snaps. Um, uh, you had Tavius Robinson in this game and he was in the, on the inside on all those, which I, I, the first I'd seen him really kicked inside this year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe they're trying something out or see something that he could be an interior pass rusher. Cause he's, he's a, he's a bigger body. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It seems it seems it'd be great if they could make that happen. I mean, he may need to still put on a little bit more weight for that because he's I think he's only about two fifty-five, two sixty in there. It's not quite the size you would want your interior pass rusher to be. I mean, not everybody's Pernell McPhee and you know playing in the high two hundreds and still very mobile and whatnot, but uh it seems like you'd like somebody a little bigger than that to play inside most of the time. Yeah, yeah. All right. The um they they played this was the one they've been playing the last several weeks. More and more, the alternative they have to the base defense against teams that run the football effectively is this uncovered nickel. So I I don't know. You might know from your own playing career what people call this. So when you have if you play a three four defense and you have an one outside linebacker on one side and then you leave the other side without an outside linebacker, I call that uncovered nickel. And so it's the the other three guys are. You know, two inside interior linemen and, and usually an interior lineman who's a five tech is really playing outside the shoulder of the offensive tackle. Right. Yeah. Do, do you do you have the name we, a name for that or terminology? We,
3: we didn't have we didn't have a name for it, but yeah, like we, we we would run we 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 could run that with a defensive end, yeah, okay. out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. All right. So uh they did that a fair amount and this is one of the things brent urban is really uh providing to this team and and they had uh, bradrick washing doing it some in this game as well um playing outside of the uh uh, of the tackle on some plays but uh it's it's been an interesting compromise because it gives you uh, a little bit more size than your standard nickel obviously so you're a little bit closer to base but you still get to keep five defensive backs on the field to um, and still good to keep both your inside linebackers on the field. The funny thing about football is you have to take somebody off the field to put somebody different on the field. So if you want mm-hmm. size, you, uh, you, it's, it's one of the choices you have. Right. Yeah. Um, three snaps of dime in this game. Now, I always get excited when the dime defense comes on the field. I think that's the normal human reaction to it, or maybe not. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but, but anyway, these are all 32 dime snaps. So the Ravens still are not sacrificing an inside linebacker to put on a dime back. They've got um, a three – they they sacrificed down to a three-man defensive line, uh, two outside linebackers on Matabike on all three of these plays, and they did it on third and five once, which is a pretty neutral kind of a down-and-distance situation to be putting on a fairly extreme package on Mm -hmm. and then they did on third and 11 and fourth and 11
3: right Mm -hmm.
2: yeah Uh, that fourth and 11 was the crazy flip and tip ball that went to mccaffrey McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um Let's see. Anything else I want to say about that? I think that's pretty much all in packages. If you want more information on the packages and how they resulted in in terms of yards per play and whatnot, that's all out in my article. Uh, go give that a read on filmstudybaltimore.com if you don't mind. Um, but I think we would we'd be remiss to not give the pass rush its full treatment in all its glory in this game because it was a very interesting mix of stuff that the Ravens did in this game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um it, like Clowney uh, had a had a fantastic game. He was pressuring mm-hmm. uh, it just every 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 snap. It seemed like, and same with Van Noy. He had a great great day. Um, Travis Jones was had had a had a pretty nice game as well as well mm-hmm. as Matabike on the inside. They 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 were really just beating up that offensive line. Um, it, you know, like with or without Trent Williams. It, they they were they were really attacking and really it, got after it
2: the comment was made that the the strength of the raven of the 49ers offensive line is on the interior with Brendel there and with even in fact both guards they look terrible to me they were on roller skates the entire game getting mm-hmm. pushed back into the quarterback and um You know, one of the things that's a little bit different about the way I score offensive line play, but this this applies to the defense as well, is that the cone is sacred. If you allow um, players to get pushed to the cone, that keeps the quarterback from stepping forward into that pass. And so there was a ton of traffic in the cone in this game for the Ravens. And that's that's what sets you up for those secondary sacks.
3: Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with the quarterback not able to step up, he can't put as much velocity on the passes mm-hmm. and the, you know, that becomes completions turn into pass breakups and turn into interceptions. And yeah. we, we saw plenty of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It is, it is literally turns into skeet shooting, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. pull and, you know, you're, you're you know where the target's going and you have a, a whole lot of information, particularly when you're playing zone against a team that's getting pressure against you and, and you, you've got the eyes of the quarterback and what he's doing. Um, I, I want to go through ATS ball lock quick and pressure. Um, so they had 50 pass plays. So pretty easy to, to give percentages to everything. Um, 10 ATS plays. So that's 20% of the total. They had 63 yards, 6.3 yards per play and two turnovers on those 10 plays. First of all, I, I I don't, I shouldn't have to tell anybody that's a fantastic result. 6.3 yards per pass play with two turnovers per 10 is fantastic anyway, but those are the best opportunities that they had. Those are the best opportunities and Purdy didn't make very much out of them. Um, which is surprising because he had some other, you know, results that were certainly above average with the ball out quick and with pressure. Ball out quick. Here's where it gets funny. Seven plays the entire game, 14%. Now, one of the things that I've always noticed in this is that if your pressure rate goes up, generally speaking, the offense will adjust by increasing the ball out quick rate. And that's, that's the game you're playing here. It's a game of adjustments to make it just right from the offense's perspective. And you would think that they would do, they would attempt to have more balls out quickly. It doesn't mean you have to throw behind the line of scrimmage, but it does mean you have to do some things like slants and maybe a few little curls on the outside or whatever, but things that get the ball out quickly. Sometimes it be actually be a deep pass where you just float back, you aim the ball for 41 yards right on the sideline in the Steve Walsh mm-hmm. kind of way, and you, and you and you hope that, uh that works out for your your very talented receiver, but how did you you know you're watching the game same as i am how why did they were they not able to adjust to get that ball out quickly when the Ravens were so clearly decimating or sorry overwhelming their decimated offensive line
3: yeah i i i think that's probably maybe a marriage to a game plan and game, a marriage to a scheme where you're not really willing to make adjustments depending on what your opponent is doing and how, or, and I, 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 I don't know. I I I mean, Kyle Shanahan is a very good offensive coach, but um, not being able to better protect your quarterback um, with, with, that was that that was the key to the game right there. Um, and then they weren't even keeping uh, running backs, you know, running backs in that much, either whether it was use or or McCaffrey, they weren't keep keeping them into, uh, you know, to block very much. So it, th- there has to be some kind of adjustment and they just didn't make it. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's it's not like the Ravens were running up cover zero. Remember the Thursday night game a couple of years ago when the Dolphins ran forty cover zero looks against the Ravens and they just mm. rushed them out of the house? Mm. It it was it was all a bunch of four zero pass rushes. I mean, I'm okay, let's talk through this. The last two two drives of the game. I'm just gonna go through these plays with you really quickly. So 4-0 pass rush pressure by by Van Noy, 4-0 pass rush pressure by Jones and a PD by 14, 4-0 pass rush pressure by by Matabike. These are all consecutive plays. I'm not leaving any out, by the way, guys. 4-0 pass rush pressure by 98 and 99, 4-0 pass rush pressure by Urban leads to a sack by Van Noy, 4-0 pass rush pressure by 58, pass goes for 33, 4-0 pass rush sack by 24. So that's Clowney's sack um a ball out quick pass for nine okay four zero pass rush pressure by 50 goes for a five-yard play four zero pass rush pressure by 24 goes for a five-yard play four zero ample time and space is a pd by zero that was at that at the line of scrimmage i'm trying to remember that play where he got that pd remember where where smith got the pass defensed
3: yes uh yeah in in the backfield yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: okay So that Mm -hmm. that, that's if it was i think i would have called it a pressure so it had to i'm not i'm not sure that it was there but anyway i may have it i may have it um wrong i may need to look at that again then a pass for 12 with the ball out quick and that was a 4-1 that was the one time where they actually had smith lined up on the line of scrimmage and dropped him to cover they didn't none of those other plays they drop anybody cover so it wasn't any kind of tomfoolery or anything they were lining up saying, come on, throw the ball at us. We're in this 4-2-5. We're showing you exactly what we got. We're off ball for the most part. That was the second-to-last drive. Now, it was a touchdown drive. They moved down the field. um, But the the Ravens didn't try to stop. And the next drive, lots more of the same. And I'm not going to go through the plays. The plays are out there. I have every single pressure play, all 33 of them, plus two others which didn't count, in a list in the article. And then the, the key thing that may be something you want to enjoy and rewatch again with the game but the key thing is what are the common thread takeaways from that and that's i think where where somebody else could look at that and maybe have some additional common threads than what i came up with uh, but just an unbelievable day of non adjustment from the
3: 49ers that i that i i'm shocked by right yeah i mean it's 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 it's, it's it is dumbfounding where you almost kind of just give up in a, in a sense that you don't make, you don't try to show, make any different show, any show any different formations, show any, do anything different to combat what's going on and what's happening to your team. It's, it's, it is dumbfounded. It's, it's crazy. Yeah.
2: So if, if in terms of installed plays and what, what Shanahan has on his play sheet, how many, would he be restricted by too much with the way the 49ers have ran their offense in terms of available slants, available plays where the ball is out quickly, that it would say, well, no, then I'd be down to fifteen plays. I can't just keep running those fifteen plays for the rest of the game. First of all, right. maybe you can because it's the second half, and what's that two times per play you're going to run those things?
3: But right, yeah, yeah, I don't know, and and you know they they weren't even running any draws, screens like this. They're a good screen team, um, mm-hmm. and getting McCaffrey out you know, in the flats and, uh, getting him, I mean, McCaffrey's such a big weapon, like a a draw play to slow down the pass rush. You, you, you have to do something that you just can't let you you can't let your offensive line just get beat up like that. And, 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 and in turn get your quarterback beat up. And we saw what happened Purdy had to, had to leave with the, with the stinger. So, Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right, a few numbers really quick. I mentioned ATS, 6.3 yards per play. Ball out quick, 7.1 yards per play with pressure. This is really actually pretty impressive. 5.9 yards per play, but that also came with four sacks and three turnovers. That plays to the argument I made earlier that defense eats off variance of result. So 5.9 yards per play, if you could do it on every play, would drive you right down the football field and, and, and score. And you'd be perfectly happy doing that. 5.9 yards per play, where it includes an occasional 58 and a bunch of other plays where that end drives is not good. (laughs) And, you know, there's three of those 33 plays ended drives directly. And then you had other ones, which which certainly uh, got those drives to the finish line pretty quickly. Some of those sacks and whatnot.
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's situations. You got to be able to, I mean, third downs, third downs, and it's great to get a 58 yard play, but if the next two plays are two and three yards, you're, Third, third and five is not a good place you know, to necessarily be. Yeah, yeah.
2: There you go. And in the case of the fifty-eight, it was one of the next couple of plays was the interception. So <laughs> <Right>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of makes that for uh, four sacks on thirty-seven four-man rushes. This has been so. This team's been amazing at getting pressure with four men, and this this was no different. So they continue with that. A um, little bit of deception. Details in the article. I won't go through, through this with you now. Mentioned individuals, you mentioned the great game Clowney had. I scored him for nine pressure events. Oftentimes, there'll be a difference of one or two in terms of what I'm doing from PFF. Usually, I'm the lower one. For some reasons, I'm the higher one. For others, so I'm the lower one because I don't include it if the if the quarterback runs from the pocket. He's um, I don't credit the pressure to the to the lineman in that case. Uh, I also don't credit it if it came late, and they'll credit a late pressure. But I do credit being in the cone when PFF doesn't always credit it the same way that way. So just, just two difference in methodologies, not bashing anybody. It's just the difference in the way it is. We agreed that they both had nine pressure events in this game. So that was a, a, a one sack, seven pressures and a batted pass. Same exact, we're watching the same football game. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. I thought yeah. Brent urban had a fantastic game Two two sacks and three other pressure events. I did notice PFF didn't have him scored for any other pressure events. I I don't know how that happened, but, but, uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm watching a different case in that game.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, he cleaned up, uh, two of, uh, Clowney's pressures, Clowney couldn't get him down and mm-hmm. he, he was able to get him down and uh, yeah, Mr. Almost is a, a great team player. He, he's very giving right. to his teammates for, uh, <laughs> for giving yep. out sacks. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, he did he he did a wonderful job on that. I, I can imagine Urban Urban going up to him after the play. He probably don't want to poke the bear in this case, but saying, Man, we got to play more snaps together.
3: <laughs>
2: but yeah. that, that was great. Uh uh Matibiki, Pierce, Jones, and Van Noy. I think you mentioned all of those guys. I mean, Pierce was maybe the one name I didn't hear. All those guys had four pressures as it's Scored score shares of four pressures, so really good. Um everybody wanted their opportunity to those edge rushes and everybody had wanted their opportunity to get a one-on-one matchup against either guard. Cause they all sucked. I mean, they both, both guards in terms of any one-on-one matchup and both tackles in terms of any one-on-one matchup were very bad. Brendel was, I thought the only guy on their offensive line who really held up for the game. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. What else we got? Anything else? I think we talked about all the other things I had on my list. Um, Brandon, always fun to do this with you. Anything else scheme wise you want to bring up before we before we shut down part one and then come back with uh, with some of the individual player discussion?
3: Um, no, I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, we covered that covered covered it all.
2: Okay, all right. Always fun to talk football with you, my friend. Uh, tell us folks where they can catch up with you online and and talk football with you.
3: Yeah. Um, so I'm uh, on Twitter at uh, Brandon Croxton Five. Um, Love talking football, love talking Ravens football.
2: Okay. You're not trying to – you can plug your financial planning business if you'd like to right here.
3: (laughs) Oh, yes. You can also contact me there. Contact me for that as well. (laughs) Yeah.
2: All right, outstanding. Um, uh, Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. And this is how I meet new people to try and uh, get conversations started about football, hear what they have to say and what they're passionate about. I've got some great stuff recently. Um, on Twitter DMs, very thoroughly thought out questions and, and theories that, that I've just I've been very interested in. I'm going to try to make a time for these uh, and, and turn them into shows uh, across the board. I really appreciate you guys submitting the ideas. And I hopefully I've gotten back to most of you. If I have not gotten back to you, please this, use this as an opportunity to nudge and tell me, hey, you didn't get back to me about this idea that I, that I, that I got to you about two weeks ago. Um, it's an oversight, I promise you. Um, Because normally I want to get back to people very quickly. Brandon, thanks again for coming
3: on. Thank you, Ken.
2: And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.